You're listening to Payday, the global payroll podcast from CloudPay. And I'm your host, David Barak. HR and payroll data is probably some of the most underutilized data out there. But with cloud applications and, and the advancements that you have now in reporting and analytics, that data is being put to use. In this episode of Payday, we're going to be speaking to Pete Tiliakos, an analyst at Nelson Hall, here to talk to us about some of the most recent findings in his research. The buyers really want this innovation. They've heard of this innovation. They know it's out there and they're interested in it, but they're just a little disconnected and not really understanding A, what is possible, but B, what their vendors are actually doing. Those that have invested in upgrading their applications, you know, both HR and payroll to a single modern cloud-based system are far ahead. Welcome to another episode of Payday. Welcome back, everyone. Today on Payday, we're joined by a great guest, Pete Tiliakos, a senior analyst at Nelson Hall who covers HCM and global payroll. Pete, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Really happy to be here. I'm excited for this. Absolutely great to have you here with us, Pete. I know Nelson Hall does a ton of research into various verticals, and I believe you recently covered the HCM and specifically the payroll space. I'd love to spend a few minutes talking to you about some of the things you took out of that research, some of the process that you went through to get to that information. So maybe let's just quickly start with a little bit about Nelson Hall and then let's move into the new research report that you recently published. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, so a little bit about Nelson Hall. Uh, we're a 20-year-old firm or 20-year young firm, I guess you could say either way. <laughs> uh, and we feel like we provide you know some of the most comprehensive uh, coverage of the HR outsourcing markets in the world. Uh, we also cover uh, we're an analyst firm who also focuses on global outsourcing markets uh, for IT and finance and other areas as well. Uh, and I joined Nelson Hall in 2016 as a pr- principal analyst with them. Uh, and, and my responsibilities and focus areas on the HR team uh, really center around global payroll services, uh, HCM technology, as you mentioned. Uh, and then uh, we're also going to be uh, working on our first uh, RPA and AI report, which I'll be leading and actually kicking off this month. So I'm really looking forward to that. And Pete, when you went out and did that research around the payroll space, what is the methodology you used? Um, who did you speak with? How many multinationals were involved? Just some set of the scope uh, before we dive into some of the findings. Yeah, absolutely. So so our, our annual uh, payroll services report uh, is one that we've been doing now. I want to say this is our 10th iteration. We started it back in 08, 09. So it's actually quite stable report in terms of, uh, you know, year over year, we've really uh, ha- had a lot of great participation with it. Um, and what we do is we really look at the leading payroll service providers globally. Uh, we try to bring in a uh, composition of providers from around the world uh, in every region, Asia-Pac, Latin America, North America, EMEA. And we really looked at this year, we had 22 vendors participate. Over 80% of those were focused on global payroll service delivery, uh, meaning maybe about 20% or less uh, were those that, that maybe focused on just a single country or a single region. And we're looking at everything from, you know, the offerings that are out there today, uh, the capabilities that vendors are developing. You know, where they're investing and what they're focusing on, any new developments, uh, and just overall trends in the space. You know, we're wanting to understand the drivers around, uh, you know, payroll services, inhibitors, where the growth is happening, and, and what the overall trends are. One of the things I think that, that I really love about our reports is we kind of take it a step further, uh, and we spend about an hour uh, with each of the customer or client um, references that each vendor gives us. Um, you know, some give us one or two. Some of them give us, you know, even three or four. Uh, and I think this year we spoke to over 25 different 
uh, organizations from a, a, a wide range of, um, of, of demographics, so size, geography, um, industry, that sort of thing. And we're really going to understand their perspective on the current vendor performance, but also what's sort of the key drivers for them, the success factors as they see it uh, when it comes to payroll, uh, payroll services. The thing I like about that perspective the most is, you know, it really gives us an opportunity to kind of cut past all the marketing and sales aspects of vendor messaging and really get down to the core understanding of what the buyer wants, you know, the solutions that they're actually going out and going to market for and, and accepting, and then how that aligns to their expectations and strategic imperatives and really just how, how they see it growing with them uh, over, over time and meeting their needs in the future. There were really three things that stood out in your study. It was really around the movement and migration to the cloud. There's a lot of automation and analytics that are covered in your research. Can you talk a little bit about each one of those and why you chose them to be the themes for this year's uh, report? Yeah, you know, what jumped off of the page, I guess you could say, when, when, we, when I sort of started out with these, this study this last time, um, was that technology was really where organizations were it wasn't so much about the, uh, the the services first as much as it was the technology. You know, as you have, uh, we have so much disruption going on digitally across every industry, right? Everyone's sort of having to pivot in some way uh, within their industry. HR is getting challenged to be able to kind of keep up with that and, and, and support that, right? And, and, and they need to be able to sort of focus on acquiring talent, um, you know, retaining that talent, developing that talent. Uh, and payroll really is right there with them. They're, they're the vehicle for how uh, the, the, that talent gets paid. They're, they're the lifeblood of sort of uh, maintaining the uh, relationship, if you will, <laughs> between an employee and an employer. Organizations are saying, hey, we have to solve our, our infrastructure. And cloud is obviously, you know, really where the next generation technology is being uh, applied uh, to, to HR. Uh, and so they're, they're, they're really not so much looking at the services first. They're looking at that technology and saying, how do we, how do we get the right delivery vehicle, if you will, to transform our operations and, and leverage that as a tool to be able to take them to the next level? So that was probably the, the biggest piece. I think another thing, uh, you know, you mentioned automation and analytics. Organizations right now are, are really are starving for those, uh, for those, for that data and insight. So analytics have become uh, a, a really pretty much a must have table stakes type tool. Uh, that vendors really need to come to the table with. And, you know, every every client is on a different journey right now wh where they are both cloud and, and with analytics. But I think, you know, even even the most basic services and the most basic of, of systems now are offering some sort of analytic, at, at least uh, descriptive analytic capability where organizations have an opportunity uh, to really be able to see what's going on uh, in their organization. I think you could argue that HR data and payroll data might be underutilized quite quite extensively, it, it, even still in an organization, even historically. And I think that's changing. Organizations now are seeing the value of those analytics, and so they're really, really looking to get to get into those uh, and have access to that and, and, and be able to do some robust fact finding about what's going on. Uh, and benchmarking even to some extent if that's if that's a capability that their that their vendor provides them. From an automation perspective, I think automation, you know, I, I um I think back to when I was a payroll manager. Uh, this was probably 15 years ago, so maybe I'm dating myself a little bit. It, the process hasn't changed a lot from what it was yesterday to, to what it is today. I mean, certainly the systems have come around and, and things are better, but, but payroll is still so very manual. And I think organizations are understanding there's, a, there's an immense amount of opportunity to apply the automation that's probably being applied to, uh, to, to maybe their, their products 
over into HR and, and the HR outsourcing providers are really pushing the limits and really cultivating uh, automation in a way that I think organizations can tap into that and optimize their delivery models in a way that reduces the need for all that manual work and gets gets their resources focused to more value-added tasks. So those were three three key areas that are uh, that really did jump off that, that organizations are looking to kind of tap into some of that inner innovation and disruption that, that can be applied to payroll. Thanks, Pete. That, those are really interesting themes, and I want to talk to you about each one in a little bit more detail, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. Sometimes you see industries that are fast, they're moving really quickly, and the technology needs to catch up with what the industry needs. And then there are industries where the technology is actually ahead, and it's the technology that needs to ends up pushing the practitioners versus the other way around. Right. So I'm curious where you think payroll is, and maybe how that relates to the rest of the HCM space. Right. Is it driven by the practitioner? Is innovation driven by the practitioner, or is it the technology that pulls the practitioner towards uh, towards new ways of doing things? Yeah, you know that that's a good question. I, I think it's a, I think it has to be a balance of both, right? I think it has to be that you know you identify you've got this opportunity. Maybe you're not at the most mature state in terms of your delivery model, and then you know you have to understand go into it understanding that look, the the the, the system and the automation is really only a vehicle. It's not going to make everything perfect, right? If you if you don't have a good process or you don't have a good uh, you know uh, delivery infrastructure. The, all the best systems in the world aren't going to fix all the problems. So I think there's there's almost some some sort of a balance. Just given how far behind payroll may be um, to to maybe some other processes within HR and maybe even without administratively, I think payroll will get pulled along a little bit at first. Um, but I think organizations sort of see that look, there's this opportunity to eliminate. You know, when you think about all of the auditing work and the validation and the reconciliation that goes on, that that's where all the real grinding of payroll happens. It's not It's not the gross net calc. The systems already do that. It's just really making sure that payroll is accurate and out the door. And I think that's where the opportunity is for payroll at first to kind of get some of that stuff moved out of the way where the, where the results are easier to get to and they're more accurate um, and, and then go from there and see what's, what's realistic. You know, we, there's a lot of debate about whether or not you can you can automate all of payroll or you can automate, you know, maybe 30, 40, 50 percent. And, and you have some vendors that are really striving to get to 80, 90, 70, 80, 90, which may be a bit lofty. But I think fundamentally, even even some of the most basic automation is really moving some obstacles for, for payroll organizations right now. And and they're finding, you know, as they taste that and see that, I think there's opportunity for them to say, OK, well, let's try something else. Let's try chatbots. Let's try you know, these other things that can kind of move obstacles and make things easier uh, for them to execute. You're listening to Payday, the global payroll podcast from CloudPay. Clearly, there's a lot to consider when it comes to global payroll technology and finding the right solution for your business. That's why so many global organizations engage in an RFP process to understand their own requirements and the vendor landscape. At paydaypodcast.net, you'll find a resource that might save you a lot of time and money in starting that process. We've put together a RFP template that's designed specifically to help you understand your payroll needs and navigate your options. It's free for you to download and use. Just visit the resources section on paydaypodcast.net. Now, let's get back to the show. If you come back to a point around the cloud a little bit earlier, right? So technology kind of being the thing that 
multinational organizations are prioritizing in their purchasing process over service necessarily. So I can think back just maybe five, six years ago where the cloud was constantly in the same conversation as compliance, right? Because, and it wasn't for good reasons. It was because there was this fear that as soon as you moved something outside of your domain, when it was in the private cloud even, that compliance was suddenly gonna become a bigger concern and a bigger headache. And now we're really moving into a space where the only way you can be compliant, especially in a multinational environment where you have multiple vendors, so many different data sources and data warehouses, that the only way you can really be compliant is by using the cloud. So what do you think we owe that transformation to, especially in the payroll department that's typically been pretty change averse, a little more conservative than perhaps some of the other departments. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, and I completely agree with what you what you said there in the beginning. I, you know, when I think back to my consulting days, it always seemed like the, the cloud stoppage point or the, or the roadblock was always that multi-tenant fear, right? If we, if we send our systems out the door and we commingle our data and we don't have control and I can't walk to IT and they do what I need to run a report or you know, whatever it was, there was that sort of loss of control, you know, risk concern. But I, I think cloud applications have easily proven that that's, you know, they de-risk that and and proven they can be stable, not just in HR, but in e even the most critical business processes, uh, you know, for, for an organization. So I think, and the other thing too is, let's face it, I mean, the encryption levels today in some of these systems is, it's at every point. So you really do have probably better encryption than you might have had even, you know, uh, five or 10 years ago when you were operating maybe on legacy systems. So I think it's come a long way to ease some concerns. But what I think the way cloud to me drives compliance really is in a couple of different ways. You know, when you have a common platform globally, I think you touched on this when we opened, you know, when you have that common platform and you eliminate the need to maintain all of these, you know, systems that you're coordinating around the globe, you know, security issues and, and consistency across the landscape of application, it's just not ideal. When you have a common platform and you're able to kind of uh, drive a common process and force standardization um, and have control points along the way that are aided by, by things like automation, you know, AI and different, different uh, capabilities that are making sure you're doing things the right way, you, you immediately have better data quality, um, which is, as you know, absolutely you know, critical to payroll and HR. It's fundamentally the lifeblood of payroll. Um, and so I think when you have those things in place, it pushes, it, it, it forces things to be compliant and consistent and accurate. You know, then you also kind of look at things like how robust self-service is today and how, you know, aligned the, the mobile experience is to the desktop. You're, you're almost able to maintain, you know, so much more data today by yourself as an employee than you were yesterday or, or, or you know, just, just last year. So, you know, now you've removed that middle person to having to, you know, sort of maintain your information. You're doing it on your own. You're the point of, you're the source of, uh, of entry. You're the point of, uh, you're the point of execution. There's not this opportunity for things to be broken in the middle and it's being fixed most likely in real time because you're, you're updating it as you go. And then, like I said, and you add in automation and artificial intelligence, you know, you're getting that prescriptive level support. So you no longer have to really be an expert at, at, at HR or payroll. You can go in and you can transact and know that you're going to get to the right source and you're going to get the right result that's within policy and within procedure and ultimately driving more compliance. And not to mention, you know, the reporting capabilities today, uh, you can identify issues much sooner. You can uh, make sure you are on, on, on course with your compliance initiatives uh, and really maintain a balance across the globe. So I, I think there's 
just a number of ways, uh, but fundamentally, I think it gets down to having that clean data that you can trust is uh, is common across the globe, and it's and it's coming from the same source. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the other component is really integration, right? So as finance and HR has moved into the cloud to really integrate that data, to integrate workflows with those systems, you really have to start moving your payroll operations into the cloud as well, right? So in in some way other departments in the organization have almost forced the hand of payroll to move into the cloud in order to be part of that ecosystem of integrated data, workflows, and audit trails, and all of the things we love to talk about. So the next thing I wanted to touch on is really automation. Now, I'm sure in your interviews with vendors, a number of vendors probably talked up their investment in automation, right? We certainly do here at CloudPay. And usually that's done to drive up gross margin, to improve operational efficiency. But how do you see the advantages that the vendors, the payroll vendors are investing in automation in? How do you see those advantages trickling down to actual multinational organizations with some of their customers? The reality of it is, is that HR organizations around the globe are not going out and spending thousands or, or millions or whatever, you know, whatever it takes to bring you know, automation into their organizations, into their shared service centers. I, I don't really think that's happening. I think what, where that might occur is when an organization may have deployed it within their operations, spent the money, developed it, and said, hey, let's go, you know, distribute this internally uh, to, to use, you know, outside of our customer-facing stuff, and, and maybe we can use it there. So to me, where, where the innovation and the limit pushing is happening is, is really with the HRO providers and the BPO providers, because, I mean, fundamentally, it's an opportunity to really maximize the delivery model for for the vendors, right? It's a a way to, you know, shift your resources to to more uh, value-added tasks. Uh, It's an opportunity to get things right the first time and not have that, uh, you know, those SLA failures. And so I think what buyers are seeing is, hey, there's this thing out there that we don't have to necessarily pay for. We can kind of tap into through our, our, our outsourced program and really get access to not only best-in-class systems, cloud systems, not only uh, a, a, a very proven delivery model globally, but we can also kind of tap into this this innovation that's driving, uh, you know, the failures and and the manual work out of out of these key tasks. So I, th- I think that's really where they're they're benefiting from it. Absolutely, and one of the things you can almost never do is separate the discussion of automation from people's fears and trepidations about their own careers and uh, what that means for their specific job that they currently operate. So when you spoke to those 20-some multinational organizations uh, as part of your research, did you hear some of that trepidation from, uh, from inside the organization around what automation might mean for their organization? what it might mean for their jobs or some of their teams. Yeah, you know, that 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 didn't really come up in terms of a threat it, as much as it did just an awareness that, hey, there's this cautious optimism, right? That the buyers really want this innovation. They've heard of this innovation. They know it's out there um, and they're interested in it, but they're just a little disconnected and not really understanding what, A, what is possible, but B, what their vendors are actually doing. In other words, they know the vendors are doing something, but they're not really certain how it applies to them. And so I think what's happened is, is that, you know, on the one hand, I'm, I'm sort of a traditionalist when it comes to, 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 to outsourcing governance. I kind of feel like the, the, the how of what goes on needs to sort of stay with the vendor and, and the customer needs to focus on the what. But what it sounds like is, is buyers are saying, hey, there's this cool stuff out there going on that we're hearing about. 
but we don't really feel that it's, you know, we don't, we don't really know what it is or how, how it's even, you know, what's possible. So there's this opportunity, I think, for vendors to kind of connect with their buy side clients and say, hey, here's this thing we're working on. Maybe we can get you in on it. Maybe we can you see if it's right for you. I, you know, obviously some of this stuff is being beta tested with, with different customers first and sort of gradually rolled out. But I think there's an opportunity where organizations are hungry for this, especially those that have sort of been in an outsourced environment for a little while now, maybe a second generation or, or a, a third renewal or something. And they're saying, hey, how do we progress? How do we go to the next level? And what are those things? And, and hey, vendor, how can we get involved in it? Um, so I think it's just a mix of not understanding what the possibilities are and then just getting that communication between vendor and, um, you know, vendor and buyer and, and client to say, hey, how do we bring you on board to this and get you to the next level? So another journey that we constantly talk about, and we see this with uh, the customers we talk to, is really the analytics journey, right? We, we've seen organizations move from diagnostic data to descriptive data, and now we're seeing them move into a whole new category of data around predictive and even benchmarking, right? And you could sort of see how a mature organization can progress up that ladder if it knows where all of its payroll data is and how to work with that data in conjunction with other data sources in, inside the organization. So in the research you've done, where are you finding most organizations are now in that data and analytics journey? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I think analytics has really become table stakes. It's almost a, it's a must have of any offering. It's a must have of any platform. And, and, and organizations are really starving for it, right? They, they recognize they have this powerful, powerful data. And they need to do they, they should be doing something with it, but but they don't you know maybe know how or or maybe they just haven't executed against that yet. And I think where they are on the spectrum, it really depends on the organizations. Um, you know, companies of all sizes obviously are craving it and want the want the analytics, but it really depends on where they are in their digital transformation journey as to how progressed they they become. Um, you know, obviously, you know, like I said, I, I think HR and payroll data is probably some of the most underutilized you know, data out there, but with cloud applications and, and the advancements that you have now in reporting and analytics, that data is being put to use, you know, very easily. Those that have invested in upgrading their applications, you know, both HR and payroll to a single modern cloud-based uh, system are far ahead um, of those uh, that have it and are still operating on disparate systems uh, or legacy systems. And yeah, there are probably, or there are in fact, tools out there, um, you know, there's several uh, that you could connect those things together and kind of obtain analytic capabilities. But it goes back to that discussion earlier about about data. You know, how good is your information and how how many sources is it coming from and and across how many systems are you having to sort of sort of maintain it? And if that's the case, and if it's not non, you know, you've got this non-standard environment, you've got these disparate systems, or it's loosely integrated, or or it's not being validated and overseen. You're going to have bad data, and as you know, you know we've all heard bad data in is is going to be bad data out. So it's hard to work with that if you can't really trust the information. So I think those that have gotten to a common platform globally and gotten to a a cloud-based solution that they're they're far ahead. You know, but one thing that I would just add to this, you know, I read uh, an article uh, uh, several months ago. It was by a very notable uh, university professor, and the whole thing was around how big data in HR is not possible unless you are uh, you know, a Fortune 100 company, and you have this massive set of information to work from, and and I get that, right? For a small business, their 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 pool is very shallow. They're not going to have a lot to to work with. But when you think about the data that service providers like yourself and your peers, um, you know, in the industry are sitting on, right? The 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 wide swath, you know, of thousands and thousands of companies of every size, industry, and demographic, 
you know, that ability to tap into that as an organization, you know, through an outsourcing uh, engagement and be able to, to benchmark, as you mentioned, against yourself against those from a payroll and HR perspective, I think it's as rich of an insight as you can get from any big company and, and maybe even better. So I think that, um, you know, where they are on the spectrum really depends on on that cloud migration and 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 their evolution to to digital. And then, you know, how are they going about uh, leveraging that data? And and to me, the most powerful way is to be able to use it to look at what others are doing and see how you how you pair up. I just want to pick up on one of, one of those points right there. You're absolutely right. And I, I think I came across that article and the case for statistically significant data from the HR or payroll function, if you're a small company, it's going to take a while. So really, with some of the benchmarking data we're providing, some other vendors in the payroll space are providing, what you're really doing is you're improving the speed with which organizations could make changes, right? Because they're going to have statistically significant data months and months ahead. Should they use that anonymized data set? Should they look at how others in the industry are trending compared to them versus if they just looked internally at their own data set? So, so really, that's, that's one of the big benefits we're seeing. It's speed to improvement, speed to iteration when you start looking at anonymized data sources. Yeah, absolutely. The sky's really the limit, I think, it, particularly um, you know, when it comes to analytics. I think there's just, you know, like you said earlier, that, that it's, you know, we're starting to get to more of that predictive and prescriptive. Uh, and, you, you know, when you incorporate AI into that, you're really getting some amazing scientific almost information that you can work from. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast and sharing some of your knowledge. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Payday, the global payroll podcast from CloudPay. Be sure to join us next time for an enlightening conversation with a veteran HR expert who shares some important insights into the joint role that payroll and HR can play in global companies moving forward. Until then, visit paydaypodcast.net for more information and to subscribe so you never miss a Payday episode. You can also find us on iTunes. Just look for the Payday Podcast. I'm David Barak. Thanks for listening.